Amen. Good morning. Y'all sound all well-rested. This is the well-rested crowd. Amen. Amen. Y'all thick in here today. Okay. Okay. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. How many of y'all glad to be here today and be able to worship? What an honorable thing. It's an honorable opportunity to come here and see all of the amazing things that God is doing through One Community Church. Um, so many of we're so proud of God's work here. Uh, proud of the leaders here, proud of Pastor Conway, proud of uh, Sister Jada, and everything God is doing. I know that God is smiling down on all of the great work that you're doing, the new gen building, to be able to engage the next generation. So many of you know engaging the next generation is important. How many of you know that is of paramount importance? We'll say a little bit about that in our time together today, but I'm glad to be here. Well, um, let's go ahead and dig into the Word of God. Uh, Ephesians 5, verses 15 through uh, 20. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20. When you get there, say amen. If you're not there yet, say hold up. All right, all right. We're going to wait. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm reading from the CSB version of the Bible. Pay, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the opportunity or the times, because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living or dissipation, but be filled. Somebody say, be filled. Be filled by the Spirit. For this time that I have to you today, I would like to talk about maximizing life. Maximizing life. Let's go before God. Lord, we are here on purpose. If anyone under the sound of my voice, Lord God, has breath in their body, they are here still on purpose. No matter what season they're in, there is a reason for where they are and them being here and us being here. And so, Lord, in light of that reality, I pray that you would throw your glorious weight around, reshape us according to the renewing power of the gospel, and that Jesus and his way of thinking and his way of doing things will work his ways and work his works into every faculty of our lives. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that? Say it. Amen. 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 Well, I am originally from Washington, D.C., I live in Philly now, and in both cities, there's something uh, that, is, that they have in common. They have in common crabs. How many of y'all like crabs? Okay, 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 okay. And so um, in, in, in Philly, for the most part, going all the way up north towards Boston, they, they do the, the snow crabs. In, in D.C., though, we have the blue crabs. You know, the blue crabs, we, you know, you steam those and, and, and you dust them with, 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 with Old Bay. Y'all know nothing about no Old Bay, do y'all? Y'all so okay, okay, I'm just making sure I'm in the room. All right, cool. Y'all know about Old Bay. So when I was growing up, it was tradition, not every summer, early summer, where you had to go down to the fisherman's wharf, and you would get a bushel of crabs. It's in these wood kind of uh, dense joints, and you put them in, and you take them, and then you go to your house, and then on the back, you had the wood table, and you just spread out a bunch of 
uh, 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 of newspaper, and then you drop the bushels, and just Old Bay would just be everywhere. I mean, after you finish eating crabs, you would smell like crabs for two weeks. I mean, that's how much crabs had. But what was interesting about crabs <clears throat> is you had your expert crab eaters, and you had your beginners. Now, your expert crab eaters, they know, they know where to crack, how to insert the hand and get meat, and they know, they know how to get everything out, you know. You know, the people, you can tell somebody new because they got all this stuff in their hand, these utensils. That means you don't know what you're doing. Um, or, or you don't, never mind, if you don't know what you're doing. And so if you see someone that's inexperienced throw a piece of crab into the shell crowd and you experienced and you know they're missing out on something, you look at them like they're crazy, number one. Number two, you instruct them. You pull it out, and you begin to give them a discipleship lesson <laughs> on how to get into the crab. Because many times, when people aren't, when people are novice at eating crabs, they throw stuff away a lot that has a lot of stuff still in it. And what, what you what you don't want to do is you don't want to throw away stuff that might just have something for you in it. Many of us in our life have missed out on maximizing our lives because we've thrown some stuff away. We've thrown some people away. We've thrown some resources away. We've thrown some opportunities away, not realizing that God had given us a supernatural opportunity to maximize that different thing. <laughs> I don't have Rona, just personage drip. I, I just want to let y'all know that for they be like, oh Lord, the devil... Um, I just want to make sure I got tested. So, I saw somebody say, <laughs> um, but many of us have missed opportunities, and many of us have even spoiled relationships and affected relationships. And we're mad at people in our past for, 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 for transitioning out of our life, but we didn't do things to maximize when they were in our life. And there's so many times in our life where God wants, God, listen, God wants everything in your life to be under his feet. What do I mean? He wants to rule it, and he wants you to maximize. Somebody say maximize. My mama is an is a avid, my mama used to, my mama's Gullah. She was Gullah, Geechee people from off the coast of Georgia and South Carolina. We, our, our, our family from Angola, that side of my family. And what's interesting is, um, my mama, if you're sitting at the table eating chicken and you don't know how to eat chicken, she was the type, if you was in the family now, that she would pick up your chicken and eat the remnants of what you left because you didn't know what you was doing. My mama ate chicken so hard that she would eat the gristle off the top, the gristle off the bottom, and suck the bone marrow out the middle of it. I mean, my mama, my mama had some ravaging Wolverine skills. You understand what I'm saying? And every time I think about that, I think about life. I want my life to be like that. I, want my, I don't want to leave nothing left on the table when I die. I want to, I want to get the gristle of my circumstance. I want, to, I want to get all the fat out of what I've got because everything that God has for me, I want it, I want it, I want it. And then I want to use my life to make sure that I'd encourage and inspire as many people in my sphere to maximize everything God has given you. You have to learn how to do that. But some of us, 
we've half done parts of our life. And we want to get beyond that. We've half done our education. You know you ain't do all you're supposed to do. You have done relationships and expect a hyper return. You've half done work and expect a raise or expect to start a business. You've half done commitment, half done love, half done investment, half done vision, and half done your commitment to Jesus Christ. And so I come here by to tell you today that God said enough is enough. I'm coming here today to tell you that God is wanting to speak to you to let you know it is time for you to stop wasting your life, stop wasting opportunities, stop wasting relationships, and commit yourself fully in a full-bodied way to everything he has before you. Because God has, even if it's one thing, you may not have the ten things that the other person has. You may not have the five things, but you work that one that God has given you, and you get everything out of it that God wants you to get. And so I have three points in maximizing life, and then I promise I'm out your way. Number one, if you are going to maximize life, number one, number one, you have to live a life of discernment. Mm, 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 mm. Live a life of discernment. It says in the text here, it says, pay careful attention. Some translations say, look, somebody say, look. The, 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 the idea of that word there isn't really to just merely perceive something's physical faculties, if you will. In other words, you look at something and you, you see the appearance of it. <clears throat> well, well, well what, what, what's interesting is the word here doesn't just mean to look at it. It means look with interpretive distinction. Now, in other words, you, you got to look beyond what you see and see something deeper. Because if you're going to be a person and maximize life, you have to be able to go into a desert and see something different. You have to be able to go into some of the most broken places and see something different. But as a matter of fact, let's bring it close to home. You got to be able to go through different things in your life and not see what you're going through only as what you're going through. What do I mean by that? <laughs> you, 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 have to, you have to stop judging, stop this, judging your life by the bad seasons that you experience. <laughs> Many of us, judge our life and look at our life by some of the bad seasons we were in. But many of you, if you're honest, your best seasons weren't your perceived best seasons. Y'all not going to talk about um, because, because your best seasons, you don't know how, you, 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 don't, you get on cruise control. Your worst seasons are the seasons where you, where, where you get built different. All right. In other words, Let's, let's, let's happy season prayer. Oh, Father God, um, just thank you for this day and hallelujah, bless your name for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Hard season. God! Oh, Jesus! I call upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I call upon every mighty power of the blood. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think that second one got heard. He's like, all right. <laughs> but you get the drift. Many of us in our lighter seasons tend to get on cruise control. But I'm telling you, the best things that God wants to work in you is when you're in the most uncomfortable spaces. Some of your best ideas come when you're hurt. 
Some of your greatest gains come in your greatest season of loss. Some of your, some of, some, some of, some of your greatest opportunities to be innovative is when you didn't have the innovation. See, 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 I'm from the hood, y'all. So, see, we didn't let the fact that the basketball courts got tore down mess with us. No, we did. We went to the grocery store, got a, got a them crate, carton things, kicked the bottom out of it, cleared it all out, got a hammer and a nail, nailed it on the light, on, on the pole, whack out, basketball. <laughs> see, pain is the mother of invention. And what, if you're going through something now, what is God inventing? in your life right now. I, I know one thing he's inventing, sanctification. See, some of y'all are thinking about money. The best return sometimes is you being different. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work in you, and the one that lacks wisdom, ask! Not only that, Bible talks about the fact that affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces self-control. Self-control produces character. And then Peter says, add to your faith moral excellence, moral excellence, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness. It goes, it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds. That's why no matter what season you go through, no matter how it's working in the sense of that hard season, don't sleep on your hard season. So you got to have discernment, and now you got to begin to say, God, it's painful. And what the enemy will do is he will let you get sucked into the hard season and not see what God is up to. And if you play into him using that season against you, when God's trying to use that season for you, you won't see what's going on. And what you got to begin to do, you got to be like, okay, God, let me quiet things down. Help me to quiet things down. God, I'm in pain. I'm frustrated. But what are you up to? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me in my marriage? Maybe it's not my spouse. Maybe it's me. Teach me. What are you trying to teach me in my singleness? What are you trying to teach me in whatever season of life? Oh, God, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let God teach you. But not only that, he says, look how you walk. <coughs> he said, not as unwise, but as wise. This is amazing. The word wise here is the Greek word Sophia, which borrows many times its uh, definition from the Old Testament word chokmah. The word wisdom there means to skillfully live out what you know. In other words, it means, it means to be skillful at something. It means to, 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 to be able to do it well, but, but, but in doing it well, in order to do it skillfully, you have to have the discernment to be able to make sure that you're able to do it. But in also discernment helps you as you're maximizing life to not be fooled by the enemy. You see, nowadays, we have a lot going on where a lot of young people are deconstructing their faith. Right now, that whole deconstructing of faith, many of them grew up in the church, and many of them are going off to college, or they're on YouTube, or they're watching memes, or they're looking at hashtags, and they're, and they're all different types of ideologies and philosophies out there that are seeking to draw them away from the faith, saying stuff like Christianity is the white man's religion. 
even though it's a global religion from the beginning, and it started in Israel, went to Africa, and went to Turkey, went to Europe, but it was a global religion from the beginning. Christianity didn't belong to But what the enemy will do is he'll use Western, false Western philosophy, and what the enemy is using as a way to fool people into believing that Christianity is, was created uh, uh, by white people and used to molest black people when God is the author of that. And what we have to do is if we're not training and developing people in the church and maximizing and teaching them discernment and wisdom for them to be able to say, nah, that's the devil. And this is how I know this because some of the African church fathers, Assassinations and all, all those guys, they were actually uh, Africans. But it doesn't matter what color they were with the information. What the issue you made the color matter because you made the color matter. But now I'm telling you why the color doesn't matter. Because why? Because they said the truth. And because they said the truth, that's why it matters. So let truth trump color, even though you're trying to use color to molest me, I'm not going to let it molest me because I know what truth is. You and I, we have to, and I'm telling you, it's getting worse. And we have to, we have to, we have to make better disciples that discern how do I know? Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, he says the mature have their senses trained, being able to tell good from evil. In other words, they're able to test what's of God and what's not of God based on the truth of God. And so that's, that, that's when your discernment gets on that level. You're able, why, why is that, what, how does that relate to maximizing life? Because if you're fooled, you can't live up your potential. You can only live best for God if you're not living in a fooled way. So next, next, next. I got, I got to move. I got to move. Uh, next point. <laughs> if you're going to maximize life, number two, you have to maximize every season of your life. Every season. Every season. This is making the best use of the time or redeem the times because the days are evil. Mm. And so, um, here the word for make, making the best use is, is the word redeem, meaning to buy back time, buy back something. In other words, something that was used this way, when it comes under Christ, it's used for his purposes. In other, in other, in other, in other words, when God gets to something he wants to change it. That's why you can't look at anything. You can't look down on anything or any place that God calls you to. Let me tell you something. See, I was, in, I was, you know, my wife and I lived in Texas for about a decade. And you know down here, there's no trash anywhere, pretty much. You know, I mean, you can walk outside. I mean, y'all got so much industry down here. You walk outside and just pick a building and go put in an application. I mean, it's, it's a, y'all, y'all blessed. Clap your hands. Y'all blessed. Amen. So, Yeah. So I, I, God called me back to the inner city, East Coast inner city. Now, I'm telling you right now, when I left the inner city, you go to college and all of that, I got like three post degrees. I'm like, yeah, God, I, I, I like it over here, you know. God called me there. That's where I want to go. God was like, no, let's take this ride to Philly. So I'm going back to the East Coast. I'm, that's where I'm from. I'm going around the neighborhood. I wasn't feeling none of that. You know, I'm just telling you right now, I'm going slang ministry now. I, I wasn't feeling none of that. I was looking around like, nah, I see the drug. Oh, nah. I see, oh, nah. Nah. And God was like, this is where you called. I'm like, oh. Oh. And God was like, be patient. Follow me and see things as I see it. Never forget it. He said, I don't look at the appearances. I look at heart. 
So I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to go. If you caught me, because I ain't going to just go there. I said, I got to be caught. <laughs> and I went. And we went, and church started growing. Got, uh, it became 50% new believers. A Muslim used to sit out on the steps during the week. He was a Muslim crackhead that sold bootleg DVDs. <laughs> oh, my bad. Some of y'all know. Fake DVDs, unauthorized. Some of y'all are like, what's bootleg? What's, what, what's that? But, yeah, boot, bootleg. And so, um, and so, ended up ministering to him, led him to Christ. He ends up going, going to the funeral. Girl off a of reality TV we didn't know was his daughter, stripper chick. So, craziness. So, whole family comes. Family, we're like, I, I, what's happening? They came in. That day, all of them got saved. God was like, I roll different. Keep moving. Next thing I know, God says, time to plant churches. I said, God, we're not ready. He said, I said plant churches. All right. Here we go, God. I love you. <laughs> he sends a guy, becomes my spiritual son. He plants a church in the worst neighborhood in Camden, New Jersey, which Camden is tough. And God gave us a heart. Now, it, first it began, well, we didn't want to do that. Now, now, as we began to move out, we started to develop a philosophy of ministry to plant the gospel where it's difficult, but a lot of opportunity for gospel fruit. Sent him out. Sent him out with a team of about 30 people. He went in, led the largest drug dealer to Christ. He started bringing people to church. They started, I mean, it just, and then from there, we ended up planting churches in Malawi, Africa, 25. Then next thing you know, from this inner city church, next thing I know, um, the, the, the girls were getting raped, walking an hour during the rainy season, in the rain getting raped and molested, and God blessed us to partner with them, not as us above them, but us as co-laborers with our global brothers and sisters, and built a school where those girls could now go there. And then he started a church planting center there, and then the church we planted in Camden planted four churches. So we not only have a daughter church, we have grandchildren churches, and some of those churches are now starting to plant churches. And God said, see when you follow me, and you don't look at things at its appearance, what I can do, what I can change, when you don't do things on your own initiative. It's powerful. Making the most of the time. Us as individuals, we have a mostly individualistic view of purpose. Most of us want our own season. But God wants us as the church together to have a unified season functioning together for his glory. And that's why you need to maximize and never see any season of your life as mundane. Never see anything as mundane. Because mundane, sometimes God gives you those stretches so that you can have space to innovate. Let me see if I can make it plain. Now, I've lost 30 pounds, so I haven't been able to go there as much as I used to. I'm going 30 more pounds down, praise the Lord. But I like Cheesecake Factory. I, 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 I like Cheesecake Factory. Matter of fact, 20 years ago, I wanted to franchise. Seriously, I wanted to franchise Cheesecake Factory Park because I knew I was leaving. So I was like, I need to franchise these up here. It's not just financial, it's personal. But <laughs> I ended up but I looked at the story of Cheesecake Factory. Interesting story. Um, a woman uh, in the South, of course, looked at a cookbook and began looking for a cheesecake recipe. She took that recipe and then she upgraded it. She mamaized it. You know how 
Some of y'all know how to make a, make, a, make a recipe, a real recipe. And she built that cheesecake and, and then started selling them. And they were selling like hotcakes. Went from there from selling like hotcakes to being able to uh, 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 start, a, start a bakery. Went from starting a bakery. Her children needed her more because they were growing and needed her presence. So she came home. And what she ended up doing was she still ran the business out of her home, but in a lesser way, but the, it was still uh, 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 growing. Then when her kids grew up, she left out and began her husband uh, went and started the bakery again. The One of the sons who she invested in went to California, started a, 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 a restaurant, but he wanted to add his mom's cheesecakes as a display. So he called it Cheesecake Factory. And now it's global. If that don't get you, um, uh, if that don't get you, William's Chicken, Hiawatha, Hiawatha Williams was working for a certain uh, uh, chicken spot. Uh, and he, he doesn't never, ever tell, but we know which one he did. He created their recipe. Now, some of y'all looking at me crazy because you're like, what's wrong? With well, okay, ladies, let's break this down. Since y'all looking at me, y'all looking at me funny. Let's show how this is a mundane season for him. Because if a guy tried to holler at you, I mean, talk to you, because somebody said, why is he hollering? Talk. That's hood for my bad. Um, and, and you said, he said, how, how you doing? What service you go to? I go, I go to the 11 o'clock service. Okay, okay. Praise God. We'd love to take you out sometimes. Okay, praise God. What, 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 um, where you work? I cook chicken at the chicken spot. She'd be like, okay, cool. Praise God. Everybody got to work. Yeah, man. Praise God. Now, but Hiawatha didn't let how people viewed him cooking at the chicken spot affect him. He went there, took his recipe, and started William's Chicken, and now employs 500 people all over the inner city. Why does that matter? I'm not talking about being a millionaire. That's not what I'm talking about. I want you to run to, oh, I'm about to, and you can do that. I want to encourage you. However, I'm talking more about the church. But Jesus said, the, the sons of this world are more wise according to their own kind than the sons of light. What did he mean by that? That's Luke 16. What he meant was, he says, the world, the world, the world knows how to use the world for its own worldly ends better than the church knows how to use the world that God created for God's glorification ends. So what what is he trying to tell us as believers? We should be linking up cross-ethnically and beginning to talk and deal with our issues because there's too much world out there for us to be fighting in public. We fighting on Twitter, we fighting on Facebook, we fighting on Snapchat, we fighting on everything. Now let me just tell you how strange families fighting in the street is, fighting out, out there is. Can you imagine in your neighborhood cul-de-sac or in your apartment complex, it's a family out there, the, the, the husband and wife out there knuckled up like this. You know, knuckled up like this. Say, make another one, bust you right in your, look. And the kids out there, kids out there knuckling up, going like that. Now, you would be like, call, call the police. They're wilding. Because it looks crazy for a family to be out in the world fighting each other. That's how crazy it looks for Christians, no matter what color, what gender. No, I pro- we, we out there looking crazy to the world when we should be out there impacting the world. That's, why, that's how we make the most of our time. We make our, the most of our time by solving problems, but we got to deal with our own stuff. <laughs> and as we deal with our own stuff, simultaneously engaging the stuff that's in the world. Lastly, and then I'm out your way. Um, If you are going to maximize life, last but not least, you have to let the Lord be the only true influence or the the largest influence in your life. Look 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 at the last verses. Look what it says. It says, and don't 
get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. But be filled. Somebody say be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Um, This is interesting because being filled with the Spirit has to do with God's control over us. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean you lose control and don't know what's going on. If you look at every instance where someone was filled with the Spirit in the Bible, they were knowledgeable simultaneously while the Spirit was working. And so, and so you don't catch the Holy Spirit. He, you know, he's not, he not a chew. He's not a cold. He's a person. So what ends up happening is in Acts 2, Peter gets filled with the Spirit. Then in Acts 4, before the Sanhedrin, he gets filled with the Spirit again. So it's two instances where it's saying a person got filled with the Spirit, meaning that Spirit filling is an activity that happens at different points of different times when God is wanting you to maximize His glory in your journey. That's that's truly being filled with the Holy Spirit. One was amongst God's people, and one was in the world for the sake of the gospel. So being filled with the Spirit is not just for the church gathering. Being filled with the Spirit is for the world because, listen, when you out there and somebody say something crazy to you, listen, you need the Holy Spirit not to speak in other tongues. Oh, y'all saved all your life. You've been, um, God bless you. You need 15 doses of the ghost. Right. You need because, because, because your witness matters. But look at what plurao means. Plurao has three designations. Repeat after me. Pressure. Domination and permeation. This is so important. This is so, so important for us to understand. Pressure. Back in their day, when they didn't have uh, motorboats back then, they had to depend on rowing and they had to depend on the weather in order for the ship to go to its destination. So what they would do is they would chart their journey to where they wanted to go. When they would chart their journey to where they wanted to go, they would put the sails up and they would trust and navigate it based on the wind and they would trust the wind to fill the sail in order to take it to its destination. What does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Listen, everything. We have to begin having a disposition where we're saying, Lord, where do you want to take me? You need to put the sail up in your life. And when you put that sail up in your life, the Holy Ghost wants to blow into that sail. But what's interesting is somebody said, how do I get direction? It's easy. Listen, God doesn't plan the specifics of plans. Like if you get in a house, he's not, he not planning how you get a house. He's not planning how you get a, He helps you to get it. But that's why the Bible says the plans of the heart belong to man. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Whole nother lesson. And so what happens is when we make plans, God acts as the divine editor of those plans. However, his blowing is the directive that takes you to where you want to go based on plans that you've worked on where he takes you in that direction. Ah, I got to go to the next one. Pressure, not domination. Somebody say domination. The Holy Ghost is Lord. Now that may sound simple, but some of us think the Holy Spirit belongs to us. Holy Spirit, come here. Do this. Holy Spirit, do that. No, 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 no. Who you think you're talking to? The Holy Spirit is a grown God. <laughs> Some of y'all get that on the way home. The Holy Spirit's pretty powerful. He's not under your unction. You're supposed to be under his unction. And so that means he gets to tell you what to do. You don't tell him what to do. Now, now, now you don't want to box with the Spirit now. You don't want the smoke from the Holy Ghost. You don't want no smoke. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know if you understand. I mean, you, listen, you ever did something you ain't had no business and the Holy Ghost hit you in your spiritual kidney? You, that's, it's, it's, woo, you ever, that, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, we go, pow, he just jabbed you. Pow, he didn't hit you, hit you with, like, he didn't hit you with 50% of his power. He just went, pow. He was like, whoo, I ain't gonna do that no more. That's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He said, now, sometimes he'll say, go this direction. And he's the one that's, that helps you when he get, dominates you. I gotta end, I gotta end. Last. Ugh. Last but not least, pressure, domination, and permeation. This is the part about the Spirit I love and dislike, if I can be honest. He wants to get into everything. He wants everything in your life. And listen, there's no area of your life. See, the Holy Spirit is the nosy one in the Trinity. All of them know because they're one, God. All of my omniscient, but the Holy Spirit is the nosy one because he's the one that picks at you to make you deal with stuff you don't want to deal with. I mean, let me see if I can make it plain. When I was, um, when we first got our building, this current building we have, it was a 130-year-old building. It was the first place in the city where blacks could learn mortuary science. So, you know, it was building, it's a different building. So when we went in, we was, we were seeing all kinds of rodents, all kinds of different insecticides around it. I didn't know what we was dealing with. So I called the uh, I called the um, the uh, the guy to exterminate. An exterminator came in, and he said, "Pastor," I said, "Yes." He said, "You got to open everything." I said, "What you mean?" He said, "Anything that has hinges on it, you got to open." He said, "You got to open it." I was like, "I was like, okay, but but why are you telling me to open everything?" He said, "Because if you open these, but not these, I'll clean these out. But when you open these, it'll reinfest what's already been cleaned." I saw that as such a spiritual lesson for us. Well, well, I want the Holy Spirit to get into everything, but permeation also has an exciting side to it. It, 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 it has a side where he wants to get into everything. It reminds me of Kool-Aid. Now, I don't drink Kool-Aid anymore, but I used to be a serious Kool-Aid connoisseur. You understand? I mean, I was the kind of, you know, I sniffed my Kool-Aid, smelled the notes. You know, my Kool-Aid. <laughs> But interestingly enough, I was a master of making Kool-Aid. See, I would take the, the sugar. Now, you can't have a flat pitcher. You got to have one with the round bottom. See? You got to have a round, right? Now, if you're looking at the back of the packet, you don't know how to make Kool-Aid. <laughs> it just runs. If, you, if you're a Kool-Aid drinker, that person looks at the back of the packet, leave. <laughs> just leave. So what I would do is I would take my sugar. And this is how you knew somebody knew what they were doing. They just poured and talked to people. That's, <laughs> that's how you know somebody knew what they was doing. It, 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 nobody's taking a, 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 a blood test after that to see how everything is. That wasn't no good Kool-Aid. <laughs> but then I would take the water. And then I would take the Kool-Aid and see, I pluck the thing and shake it and take it off and drop it in the other, but it's on the other side, the water. And it would just, it would just dissolve, like, like it just go like that, just stretch out. And then I would take it and warm it up because you can't put that cold water in with the sugar. See, some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. And you got to heat the water up. And when you heat the water up and it's nice and hot, 
And then what the hot water with the Kool-Aid mixture does is it gets in there with the sugar. And the water says, come in, sugar. And then it says, come in, Kool-Aid. And then it mixes them all together. And they start bathing like this. And everywhere you go, there's even layers of flavors. It's no matter. If you took Kool-Aid from this side, it tastes the same as over here. If you took it, Because it wants to make sure there's an even balance in every single side of it. But the only way to make it balanced is to heat it up. Because there's some stuff that won't dissolve until things get hot. Your life, and when the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, there's some things that's not going to get worked in you. There's some things that's not going to get uh, dissolved into your life. There's no implantation and impartation that won't happen. So some things in your life for the Holy Spirit to get in it has to heat up so the dissolution of the work of God can make its way into the broken places, into the uncharted places, into the frustrating places, into the places I didn't want them to go. But I said, God, because you've heated my life up. I don't care no more. I want you everywhere in my life. I want you in my marriage. I want you with my children. I want you in my work. I want you in my ministry. I want you in my mind. I want you in every area of I want him in every area of my life. And God, we don't want anything in our life to be off limits to you. I'm about to close now. Closing in. Anyone in here, I'm praying. If you have some uncharted places that you know you've kept away from the Lord, I pray you open them up. God, I didn't want to go here no, too, no more. It's too much pain. God cares more about your pain than you do. Whatever you care about that's good or not good for you, God cares more about dealing with it than you. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Every head bow, every eye closed. I pray. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Just like our lives are heated up in order to spread God's truth. Christ's chamber on the cross was where he was heated. In order to spread his divine life. To spread his divine life to everyone who would place their confidence in him. If you place your trust in him, he takes you from spiritual disconnection from God to spiritual connection. He takes you from spiritual death to spiritual life. And he becomes an eternal partner for you. Comes an eternal partner to you, but he also brings you into a partnership with those who know him as well. But first, meeting him is the most important thing. Because you can't maximize your life. You can't, this message is going to hit different for you. Because you can't maximize your life until the one who gives life is in your life. And so, if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, his death on the cross, we deserve to die. He died in our place. He's both lawyer, judge, and convict. He took our penalty in order for us to go from spiritual disconnection to spiritual connection. If you're here today and you want to trust Jesus, we're not going to ask you to come up, but hold your hand up if you want to say, I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ. Anyone in the room? I see that hand over there. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? This is, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to say yes to Jesus today. 
Yes. Yes to Jesus. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. I see that hand. Anyone else? Lord God, I pray for those who place their hands up. I know that they'll be followed up. Lord, touch them. Help them to go understand the gospel clearly and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. That they place their confidence in you and you alone to save. And that they would be walked with in a thorough way so that they can go from not only just spiritual death to spiritual life, but spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Maybe you're here today and this hits you and you know there's some areas of your life you want God to get to in a different way. Hold your hand up in the air. I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you. Um, If you want to stand, you can stand if you want to. If you want to, I want to pray for you. You don't have to come up. I can pray for you. I see all the hands. You're saying, God, there's some areas of my life I need the Spirit. There's some things I know holding me back from maximizing my life. I see you all over the sanctuary. Yeah. I see you all over the sanctuary. You can just stand where you are if you want to and if you can. If not, do whatever you can. We'd love to acknowledge you and look at you and pray for you. You're saying today, God, God, I, 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 know, I know why I'm not where I need to be and I need your work. If that's you, there's some things that you know God has placed potential in. Listen, if you're a believer, it's not like that everybody has a divine potential that God has placed in them. And you're saying today, I know I'm not living up to it. Maybe you got depressed during COVID season and it's been hard for you and you've just shut down. God wants to talk to you today. Maybe you lost some stuff and you're just out of energy and you, you can't fight no more. I want to pray for you today. Father God, I pray for your, thank you for standing. I see you. Y'all still standing. It's okay. Go ahead. You can stand while I'm here. I see you, brother. I see you, sis. I saw you pop up. I saw you pop up. I see y'all popping. Y'all still popping up. If somebody said, I, I, I want to give up on God, I'm giving up. And God is saying, I haven't forgotten about you. I see you coming up. I see y'all standing up. Anyone else? You're in, a, you're in a mundane season right now, and you don't feel like it counts. And you need God to encourage you that your life counts now. Not just when you get out of it, but while you're in it. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I see you standing. I see you, brother. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else? Anyone else? Amen. Father, Father God, we thank you for the people of God being bold in their commitment to you, in their walk with you, to begin to say, Lord, Lord Almighty, I don't know how things are going to work out. I just know that I need you. I need your intervention. I need a divine disruption. I need you to come in, Lord God, and show me that you haven't forgotten about me. Lord God, show your people you haven't forgotten about them. Show them, Lord God, that there's life in this and beyond it. <laughs> Lord, you said that, J- that David said in his word that you gave him deliverance in his distress. It's interesting that he didn't need physical deliverance to know that he can have relief. Touch everyone, Lord God. Touch and change and strengthen. And Lord God, whatever tools people need in this process, we know it's you and I, you, you know it's you and us and your word and prayer, small groups. Lord, your people may need some other tools. Therapy, life coaching, deeper disciple, whatever it is they need, breakthrough, whatever it is in whatever area they like, Lord God, will you pour it on them? And we're believing 
that God is going to be different and they're going to begin to maximize their lives in you in ways that they haven't seen and see results to rival anything they've ever seen in any, any other season in their life. God, we thank you and bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. God bless you. Take care.